AJ Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How are you, my darling? I'm I'm good. You look beautiful today. Do you know Thank that? You. Thank you, darling. I looked across at you when you were cooking earlier, and I thought, my gosh, your hair looks like Jennifer Aniston's. Oh, well, that's lovely. <laughs> that is a compliment, right? It is. Okay, sure, good. she has great hair. All right. Tell me three of your favorite things that happened this week. Go. Three of my favorite things that happened this week. Um, soaking together. We soaked together on yes, Thursday night to uh, Jesse Early. Do you like the way I didn't say anything creepy there? That was a really good. Mm-hmm. It showed great control. and That's uh, one? Two and three? Um, two would be... Uh, probably having Dan Fairley here. He's a very good teacher. He is. He's amazing. I really enjoyed having him at Emanate as well. And um, and three would be going to Wild Ginger on Halloween evening because there was nobody there and the kids were so well behaved and it was so nice. Good answer. Thank you. I'm about to trump you. <gasps> My top three favorite things was having a day off on Wednesday. That going- was. Amazing. I'm, you've had your turn. <gasps> oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, you blew it on, on, on <laughs> other stuff. We okay. had lunch at Silly Goose. We had the whole day off. We did. We had the whole day off, which because was amazing. Cindy Without ankle biters. Our ankle biters. Well, or what? <laughs> our ankle biters. Yeah. It's the first time in a long time we haven't been responsible for small children. Yeah. We went to Pinewood Social, mm-hmm. which we'd seen about Instagram. I thought, I'll just skip it. looks too poncy, but it was actually really, really good. You know what it reminded me of? Was the Hollywood Brown Derby in uh, Hollywood it Studios. Did. It did. It did. Hollywood Studios. Disney. Yeah. Epcot. No. Yeah. Hollywood Studios. The Brown Derby was an Epcot. Or no. the Derby thing was an Epcot. No, it wasn't. It was at the movie theme park. Anyway, it reminded me of that restaurant. Open okay. plan, servers all dressed the same way. You're just hung up on this, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to have to look it up now. <laughs> okay. You can look it up and apologize to okay. me next week. Okay. Um, so that's number one, day yeah. off. Mm-hmm. Just, I really enjoyed that day. And the coffee at the Pinewood Social is crema coffee, so it was fantastic. I don't care about coffee, so that didn't do anything. But I just feel that our listeners should know. Number two was getting the screen in porch wrestled into submission with the help of Matt. You did an amazing job. It looks brilliant. Thank you. And then number three was probably the Scandinavian snack bread that I had just before I came in that you don't know about. <gasps> I know. You it was did just not. Amazing. Naughty boy. But as you said, we had Dan Farley come in. For those of you who don't know Dan, he's the dean of everything at Bethel. <laughs> the dean of everything. That's the new job title we've given him after we kept introducing him as the dean of everything. <laughs> yeah, he's on the senior team at Bethel Church in Redding, California. And he's just a great, great, super mellow Loves pizza, loves Jesus, is an outstanding teacher, and has got just a really, really, really long history with that church. He predates Bill, and uh, we just love it. He's been so gracious. He's come in three years in a row, and we just love it when he comes in, and we got to pick his brain about year two, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, Halloween, we put up a post on Halloween, so if you care what we think about it, there's a post there. Everybody, every... The difficulty is, I don't really want to talk about Halloween because I don't want people to confuse and think it's a primary message of ours. It really isn't. I, I don't care about Halloween. And that's the difficulty in not caring about Halloween. You stand out about everybody who does care about Halloween. But anyway, I'm, see, I'm talking about it. I don't even want to talk about it. Go to our website. We put up a, a blog article about it. Yeah. Um, and our kids got sick. Yeah, they did. Except... They're- 
Except Abby, which is strange. Abby's fine. And even Tia and MJ, even though they're sick, it's just double barrel. Snot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rivers of snot. And MJ is like Velcro. Oh, he's so cute. So no matter where you are, he wants to attach himself to you. He just wants to stand next to you or sit next to you or if you're lying on the floor, lie. I went to try and have a nap on Friday <laughs> and he, you were supposed to be watching him. Oh, sure. Just throw uh-huh. that in. And all of a sudden the door gets flung open. He loves flinging open our bedroom door. Ta-da. <laughs> Ta-da. And then he comes over and says, up, up. So I let him up into bed, of course. And then he comes over and snuggles and rubs his nose against my nose, which is really cute normally. But when there's like so much snot flowing, it's not the best thing ever. No, not good. It's gross. But he's adorable. All right. Our topic for this week is dun-dun-dun boundaries you really want a musical accompaniment <laughs> to this podcast which i love these are the boundaries that okay, we live i don't by. love them that much la, 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 la. where did you Sorry. where when did you come into contact with the boundaries in fa- fact before we even start that let's just describe what boundaries are i would say that boundaries are being able to say no and hear no in relationships without panicking oh that's good thanks i think it Boundaries help you understand that which you're responsible for and that which everybody else is responsible for mm-hmm. and not, you know, not crossing the threshold of those things. With that in mind, where did you first hear about boundaries? I probably first encountered boundaries just being married to you and not realizing I didn't have good boundaries, particularly with my family. I was... Uh, I was okay with boundaries, I think, with friends and stuff, but with my with my family, I was just like I'd get rolled over. So, why do you think that is? I think probably a lot of people have a hard time holding boundaries with their families. There's something in you that goes, "Well, they're my family, and so I should." Right, and you start down the shooting on you. The shooting, yeah. It's funny because even though you hadn't heard any teaching, I, I imagine just from your answer, you were you. You were fairly bulletproof in terms of boundaries. I don't know if you learned that as being a single woman who was ministering around the world, that you'd learn to say no. Mm-hmm. But you seemed fairly robust in saying no, or is that just my impression yeah, I mean, of you because I was starstruck by you? Well, no, I was pretty good at saying no, but that's because I had to be. Right. Because there, was, there wasn't, I mean, on one level, I remember thinking, I'll be so nice if there's somebody to say no for me. Right, you're welcome. You know? Um. But uh, you weren't, you didn't exist at that point. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. I learned to say no. Oh, but I see what you're saying. Other than to my, to my family, I wasn't great at saying no with them. Um, I first heard about boundaries from Chip Judd, obviously. Yeah. But so Chip is one of my heroes. I love that. It just seems like a pattern in God's life that He's been so gracious to me, and that my heroes have become my friends. Yeah. You know, a lot of the friends I have today in previous years, were heroes of mine. Either books I'd read about them or I'd listened to them at conferences and I, you know, had no relationship with them. So that's awesome, Jesus. Thank you for doing that. But so, I, you know, I heard Chip, 2003, he came and spoke in our school. And, you know, it's funny because I'm probably fairly well known for the boundaries message now. But when I first heard his message, I, I loved the man, hated the message. I just thought this is the most irresponsible teaching I've ever heard. Is is that why you hated it? Because you thought it was irresponsible? Yeah, I just thought, I thought it was so offensive and so outrageous. And I think in part because I'd, I'd probably been raised, when I say raised, I don't mean, I just mean in the climate that I'd grown up in, no wasn't permissible. 
So I'm not necessarily talking about my family, though. I'd include my family. I'm just talking about the general culture, the operating system with which I grew up in, in my um, upbringing. You know, no wasn't readily available to you. So this concept that you could say no fell on Christ-like. Right. I think a lot of people still struggle with that now. Right, but the quality of their life suck because of it. He said gently. <laughs> and what you have to offer to other people that God's actually given you responsibility for is less because you haven't learned to say no to people that the Lord hasn't actually given you responsibility right. for. Right. I realized a long time ago, if, if, if I don't get good at saying no, then my activities or my social calendar, let's just take that, is built by other people's requests. Right. So as long as people don't ask me to do anything, I have time to myself. But if I can't say no then I have to say yes to every invitation that comes my way. Mm-hmm. And that's going to kill me and it's going to kill mm-hmm. our family. So anyway, yeah, I heard Chip. I didn't like it at all. And I don't know if it's just because I like Chip that I, I stayed with it. Or I don't know if it was because the culture in Toronto, you know, especially at the school, was really, really equipped by boundaries. Yeah, it was, I was, surrounded it was boundary by people. friendly. <laughs> yeah. I was surrounded by people who were healthy enough to say no without no being a source of conflict. I, I think probably for many people, people will only use no at breaking point. So no has got a bad rep. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me certainly, like no would come out blustering and, you know, exasperated. And so watching people in Toronto use no really graciously and really, you know, without any hurt or anger behind it was quite interesting for me. Hmm. I remember I remember when we were leading the one of the small group, one of the, uh, what do you call them, International Leader School of Ministry. And so, you know, we had what, le- <laughs> leaders from all over the world and yeah. we were their small group leaders. And yeah. I remember it was the end of the day and Kathy Harris, uh, who's our dear friend in Toronto, was leaving that day. And one of the pastors said to Kathy, are you going to be at the meeting tonight? Now, context for everybody who's listening. At that point, we did meetings every single night except Monday night. Right. Every night of the week. Every night of the week, there was a church meeting going on. And we had a big visiting speaker in. And so anyway, one of the pastors said to Kathy, are you going to be at the meeting tonight? And Kathy said, no, no, I'm I'm going to be at home with my son. And even though Kathy wasn't saying no to this woman, this woman was so shocked that Kathy was not going to show up for a church service mm-hmm. that she just said, well, shame on you. She seemed offended, didn't she? Oh, she seemed, I yeah. mean, just it was just absurd that you, you as a leader would not be going to a church meeting that your church was putting on. And so Kathy, you know, Kathy said, no, I'm, I'm going to just go have some time with my teenage son. And the woman was like, shame on you. And Kathy was like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. I don't want, I don't want your shame. It's, it's totally okay. You can keep your shame. And I was just like, that, that's amazing. You know, Kathy wasn't saying no out of rebellion. Kathy was saying no out of a desire to be with her family. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if that got me started thinking, but just watching people around me manage their lives really, really well and then not blame other people for the choices they've made started me thinking like, huh. I think, too, even when we traveled, you know, for eight years or, or you know, four years together, yeah, you see so many people in ministry that uh, are miserable. And actually, if they just had good boundaries, it would solve 80% of the issues. Do you right. know what I mean? Because, you know, they're, they're wanting time with their family or their kids. They're realizing what's, what things are costing them, but they're not feeling like they're allowed to say no. Right. 
And you just, so, I mean, I just remember lots of different places going there and just being like, yeah, but why don't you just say no? You know, you're the, you're the leader. You can say no. Yeah. I would say people pleasing is the number one epidemic that we face in the world. Or certainly in the church. Yeah. I mean, of course, in our world, I'm talking (laughs) about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This whole notion that, that you've got people who are really trying to manage the emotions and responses of other people. And that's normal, you know, like, well, I can't do that because she'll be mad at me. Or, you know, I will I have to do that or I'll really upset my mother. Or I, I you know, have to do this or my husband's going to be angry with me. Or mm-hmm. I have to. And you're like, okay, whenever you start saying have to or should or you're actually placing the choice at the foot of somebody else's, you know, responsibility. You, you, or you, reaction. Yeah, you've suddenly realized, oh, I'm no longer responsible for my own actions because I'm worried about their reactions. Mm-hmm. That's a type of slavery. It's a type of bondage. Mm-hmm. So how did you end up? So really, I didn't realize it was from encountering me. Well, I would say, I mean, I was pretty good at saying, on one level, I was okay even at boundaries sometimes with my family about being on time or whatever. Like I would just leave if we hadn't had dinner already and, you know, that kind of stuff because everything was always late. And, um, but anything emotional, I, did, I couldn't lay down a boundary at all. So I would say it wasn't until... You were like, hey, guess what? You don't have to be their personal Jesus, and you're not the only answer to this problem, and it's actually not you know, reasonable that you would go out at 3 o'clock in the morning when you have little tiny kids to go and do whatever, and I'd be like, right, right, okay, okay. Right, I have another option. Right, yeah. I, I think the revelation that occurred to me was when I didn't have boundaries and people asked me to do something that I would if I had boundaries, really choose to say no to for whatever reason, but felt like I couldn't, I realized on the inside I was wishing I was sick or injured so I had a legitimate reason to say no. (laughs) Yeah. Right? So could you do, uh, could you help me with X on Friday? And you're like, man, Friday's my day off. I just, you know, I was really looking forward to doing you know, this or that, the next thing. And well, I suppose I should say yes, because, you know, there, and you, you just end up and you're like, dang, if only I was like, had food poisoning, then I could say, oh man, I've got food poisoning. And we say that because we think, well, then the other person won't be mad at me because who's going to be mad at somebody who has food poisoning. Right. And so you, you, you don't realize it, but you're abdicating decision-making to somebody else's reaction. Mm-hmm. I think where the boundaries teaching has been misunderstood is that boundaries enable you to be a selfish jerk. Yeah, like you become a boundary Nazi or something. Right. No. And I think that's probably a phase that you go through. Like, I certainly went through that. Yeah, you did. Thanks. (laughs) I certainly went through that because you suddenly have this revelation of, of discovering that you have power given to you. Like, whoa, I get to say no. You know, the initial shock that there's another way of living life, mm-hmm. then convincing yourself that it's actually okay to say no. Mm-hmm. And then this phase where you go through where you're, you've got no skill at using no. There's no grace attached to it. It's just taking all your emotional energy to actually say no, and it probably comes across quite harshly. Right. And I remember, you know, going through that, again, because I didn't really feel like I ever had a no, it would it would just, you know, I'm so nervous. And no! And, you know... And it was a little intense to it, begin with. <laughs> it was. But that's, I think that's like any new skill. You know, when you're learning yeah. to drive stick shift in a car. 
you, you, you know, you, you, you stall the car a couple of times or you over rev, you know, or you, you're changing gears aren't that smooth, but the more you do it, the more skills you get it. And, and then the better you get. Yeah. And I think that's probably what happens. You suddenly realize, okay, my freedom in saying no is not so that I can be a hermit and just have everything go my way. And I think Danny Silk in particular has done such an amazing job in balancing out, um, the boundaries teaching, along with Dan Farley, you know, when mm. Dan was here. It's one thing to be powerful, but it's another thing to be powerful with humility and learning that, okay, just because we're in, just because I can say no doesn't mean I have to say no. And actually learning to give out of your no. Yeah, and it's choice. I think what's exciting is, especially for us, I suppose, here, but, you know, like in Toronto and other places where the boundary teaching is understood, is you cr- you're creating a community of people that can effectively communicate without being wounded by saying no. Right. And it also means then you mean your yes and you mean your no. And if somebody, if you ask somebody and say, hey, do you want to do this or could you do this? If they say yes, I'm going to take their yes at, you know. And you can trust and it. And trust it because I know that most of our community understands the boundaries teaching and if they want to say no i want them to feel like they can say no right without it affecting how they think i view them or anything like that so and i would say that we've worked as hard as i know how to foster a community where people can say no to us Mm -hmm. especially as leaders i'm aware that that leaders can abuse their power uh even when they're not aware of it or even when they don't like to acknowledge that they're aware of it so, for example, when we moved house a couple of years ago, I I actually only asked our school students at the time. And mm. I, I did a little preamble going, guys, you don't need to say yes to me because I'm the director of the school. That's not what I'm asking you. Mm-hmm. Like, if you are able to and you would like to, then we would love your help. And if you can't, you haven't offended me. I'm not going to be sitting thinking Taking I thought you guys were Christians. No, yeah, none yeah, of yeah. that. <laughs> and it does free up people because then you don't have to do the social massaging when people are around where you think they've said yes, but they meant no. Mm-hmm. You know, an internal no nullifies an external yes, so they're here, but then you're trying to placate them and pacify them, just make sure that they're okay, and that's just exhausting. So mm-hmm. you're right, what a rich community you can have when everybody understands what everybody else is saying. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. It's really freeing. Yeah, I'm just, I'm very, very grateful for that teaching. It's really, I remember, do you remember this? We were teaching in Toronto at school. And one of the students who'd been, uh, it's funny, she was a student. She, in her, in her own right, was very uh, connected with lots of ministries, had, had been connected with some very big name ministries. And at the end of us teaching, she came up and she said, um, can I ask, are you guys pastors? And we're like, uh-huh. <laughs> She's like, are, no, but are you like real pastors? Like, like full-time. <laughs> yeah, she's like, like, so you, uh, you know, pastor church. We're like, yeah, yeah, we do. She's like, but you're so happy, and I, I was so taken aback by that statement. I thought, oh gosh, there's a lot behind that. Mm-hmm. She said, what's your secret? And I said, mm, probably the revelation of the Father's love and being able to say no. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, that's absolutely the truth. Like we, we get to prioritize rest because we can say no to lots of things. Yeah, you know, learning to say no so you can say yes to other stuff. Yeah. Learning to say no to go and speak at this conference so you can say yes to being at home with your kids. Yeah, and you're still inviting the Holy Spirit into the process. So even if you're like, my my gut is to say no, but if Holy Spirit goes, hey, hey I'm saying yes, then you can go, mm, all right, yes, which is awesome. If what we're saying <laughs> is causing you to twitch, 
don't don't shut us down. It's it, okay. It's going to be okay. If you are listening to this, you're thinking, man, I would love to learn more about this. We have prepared three teachings on our website. You can get them on CD or you can download them. For this week only, we are making the digital downloads available, all of them, all three of them, available for three bucks. They're normally three bucks a piece. This way, they're going to be a dollar a piece. Download the whole set for three dollars and you could absolutely revolutionize your life and the lives of those people in your community. So three bucks to empower yourself to say no seems like an absolute bargain to me. But uh, download them, have a listen. If you have questions, go to alanandaj.com slash ask. We would love to try and answer your boundary-related questions. Mrs. AJ Jones with the hair of Jennifer Aniston, is there anything you would like to say as we close? <laughs> you look very handsome today. <laughs> you know what it is? What? Um, you're tired. No, you know what it is? Oh, well, I, I am, but... <laughs> I, I don't know where my hair wax is. So I got lots of comments it's today It's the light and fluffy look. It is total light and fluffy. I blow-dried my hair because I couldn't be towel-drying it. And then realized I had no product to put through it. So I'm all wistful and light and... Well, until just that moment when you just, like, fixed your hair, you're looking a little bit like Urkel. It was parted right down the middle, but still cute. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go and cry in my room for a little bit. Mm. I love you. I love you. And we love you, listeners. Thank you for tuning in. We will see you next week. Bye-bye.